0: So, did you, did you watch the, I'm assuming you watched the 49ers-Cowboys game? I did, yeah. Okay. So, obviously, we're going to be talking about the Packers and 49ers. Welcome back to the Wisco Fanatics Show. We are back today, and going to be fun discussion going with the Packers and 49ers. Um, just preview this week, obviously. The Packers didn't play last week because they had the bye So that's why Mm -hmm. I was asking Jake if you watched the Packers and 49ers game because there's two things that stood out to me that could have easily won Dallas that game. And I want to know if you know what they are.
1: I don't. I'm
0: interested. I put you you on the spot right away to start the show.
1: Yeah, I'm interested in what you're thinking here.
0: So two things. One, third downs, which is something I I talk about all the time. Um, Dallas was 5 of 14. On third downs, that's yeah, like They a, did not. That's like a. That's like thirty five percent on third down. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty bad. The other thing, fourteen penalties. Yeah,
1: that's the 14. big one.
0: Fourteen. Damn, that's a lot of penalties. That's a lot. Fourteen penalties. That's. Twice as many as the Packers, like averaged. I bet they probably, I bet you the Packers didn't even average seven penalties a game.
1: I didn't even look it up. but Yeah,
0: penalties. That is insane. I'm going to look it up. You can say hi. I'll look it up.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Um, I am very excited for the Packers in a 49ers game. Um, it makes me kind of sad because I get three off days and I'm really trying to rush through my off days so we can get to Saturday, which is really my Monday. But I'm really trying to get to my Monday of work week so we can watch some Packers football here. Um, yeah. Other than that, I got some good stats. I got some good stats. Uh, it's gonna be kind of sad talking about the Bucks this week, I think.
0: Yeah, that's actually. You look at that. The Packers were dead last in the NFL in penalties, or first, however you want to look at it. They had the least amount of Packers mm. averaged the least amount of penalties, 4.1 penalties per game. Cincinnati was number two at 4.4. 4. So oh wow. Uh, Rams, Rams number four, Rams, number four, four point six. Uh Tampa Bay, number ten at five point six. Then Tennessee. 10, I'm getting there. I'm going in order of the playoff teams. Tennessee is number fourteen. San Francisco number eighteen. They averaged just over six penalties a game. And then Kansas City is number twenty-four, Buffalo number twenty-five. Mm. So to
1: James comment, uh, if you don't know James the same. Thing. Um but he work, he lives in Tennessee and he actually works at the stadium where the Titans play. So it's a pretty sweet job. Um he has to work the Titans and Bengals game, which is pretty dope, dude. You get to say that you were in the stadium when Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase were going crazy you never know what's going to happen say,
0: and then, and then Derrick Henry too like that's yeah i'm actually like not going to lie like as far as the packers game goes like when the packers win on saturday like i predict they're going to um mm-hmm. sunday is going to be a lot of fun a yeah. because i get to mess with all the 49ers fans that are talking this whole week and then <laughs> b cuz like the afc games are going to be really entertaining this week
1: they are. They are. The like Bills them, and Chiefs those, games are going to be a lot of
0: fun. Dude, the, both of those games are going to be awesome. Buccaneers Land's going to be good. Yeah, it'll be an interesting one. Uh, James, who are you cheering for in the Packers 49ers game?
1: You can give us your picks for all the games if you want. I'll give you my picks too, but that'll be uh be interesting. Yeah, I think he's going to say Packers. Who cheers? I mean, and to your comment about picking on all the 49ers, the left hope that some stick around this time. Because the last time we beat them, they all just left the internet for good. <laughs> like um, There I was more see- Cardinals fans at that time than 49ers fans.
0: <laughs> I could see James <laughs> saying the Packers because I think the 49ers are the reason the Saints didn't get in the playoffs. So Yeah, they are. So, maybe he's saying the Packers. Away. Packers, Bengals, Rams, Chiefs, he says. Packers, Bengals, Rams, Chiefs, Chiefs.
1: That is the exact same pictures I have. Disclaimer. I really think... Oh, no, I pick Bills. I don't have Chiefs. I pick Bills. I want Bengals and Bills in the AFC Championship yep. game so that no matter who wins that game, I can see some new blood in the Super Bowl. Guaranteed new blood in the Super Bowl. That's what I want. I,
0: I would be interested in a Packers-Bengals Super Bowl just to see if the game ends in five missed field goals again. Oh, God. <laughs> that was stressful. That game was stressful.
1: Chiefs. <laughs> Dad Bucks, Chiefs, Titans. My dad literally he went, he went, he went, picked pick. all the home teams.
0: <laughs> <laughs> James said he saw a fun fact. The Titans haven't won a home playoff game since 2002. Bengals haven't won a road playoff game in their franchise history. I see. Whoa! Well, the Bengals hadn't won a playoff game in like 37 years. So they broke one of their but that's
1: That's crazy. They haven't ever won a road playoff game. That's. If Joe Burrow does that, bro, holy camoly. He's already a legend in Cincinnati. But, but there's people
0: out there that think Justin Herbert is better. But why? <laughs> just because he can throw farther?
1: Uh,
0: I, just had to, I just had to put that in there. Um, what up, Tim? Alright, so we're going to start with... We're going to do this a little bit differently because I think it's going to be more fun to talk about the Packers offense. So we're going to talk about the Packers defense first and the 49ers offense. So... Jake, what are you looking for at the Packers defense versus the 49ers offense? Definitely a lot of stuff to talk about here.
1: Yeah, so 49ers offense has been looked at as one of the best offenses to play for, you know, for the last, I don't know, three, four years. I don't know what that is. What is that? What what was that? Was that Z Smith?
0: That is the Darius Smith right there.
1: Showing off your Z Smith. Yeah, man, um, I'm going to let you handle all the injury news because there's a lot to unpack there, and that's usually what you're the best at. But uh, the, the 49ers just run up so much motion and misdirection, and they have a lot of people that play a lot of different positions and can do a lot of things. Like, Kittle's a great blocker, obviously one of the best tight ends. Kyle, uh, their fullback, can't use check. check? he played for the Baltimore Ravens, went to the 49ers. He's one of the best pass-catching fullbacks. They actually use a fullback. Debo yeah, Samuel. He's, yeah, he says, he's
0: easily the best fullback in the league.
1: Yeah. Uh, Debo Samuel plays wide receiver and running back. He's a, a all pro first team, all pro first time ever. So, I mean, he's kind of a monster. I mean, the first time that he played against the Packers, he had seven total for 52 yards. He ran the ball twice for zero yards. The Packers completely blew that shit up.
0: That was, um, that but, was the time when like, like, the Packers, I felt, really started doing well at recognizing yep. the plays happening behind the line of scrimmage and it really carried out throughout most of the year.
1: You know what the key is on the 49ers? This is this is real. The the real key on the 49ers run run is to set the edge. And I think Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary have been great at that all year. They're gonna have to get back to that and Kenny's gonna have to completely, you know, like he did against the Vikings multiple times this year, completely blow up that middle. And we're just gonna have to live with the results. I mean, we have corners that are not afraid to stick their nose in there. We have some some safeties, Amos mainly, that is not afraid to stick his nose in there and make a tackle. But it's gonna be it's gonna be a physical game. I can guarantee that part. It's gonna be physical. Yep. I don't know if it's yep. gonna be pretty the whole time, but it is gonna be probably physical. not. The
0: one thing I can say that will probably be a little more finesse is I don't I'm going to I'm going to go on a limb and I'm going to say the Packers will not turn the ball over in this game that'll be that'll be an offensive thing but as as far as the the ugly versus finesse you know the cleanest the cleanliness of the game um, I'm going to go on a limb and say the Packers are not going to turn the ball over a single time whether that's interceptions fumbles obviously a turnover and downs like that could happen the Packers are, have shown to be aggressive on fourth downs occasionally so mm-hmm. but Looking at the 49ers offense, their offense, they run the ball more than anybody in the NFL.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: the last three games, Elijah Mitchell, 27 carries, 21 carries, 21 carries. So that's that's who they want to go through. He's practicing limited, but he's going to practice. He's going to play. Um, and the 49ers are going to want to run the ball. Um, this is one of those situations where I honestly wouldn't mind the Packers starting with the ball if they can go and get seven points right away like they were so good with last season. They were the best in the NFL at scoring on their opening possession. So if the Packers can do that, go jump ahead, and then uh, maybe rattle the 49ers to get them out of their game plan, which is going to be to run the ball and keep the ball away from Aaron Rodgers. The other part of that is the Packers need to be better on third downs. They need to force San Francisco into long third down plays and make Jimmy throw the ball. You can't yep. get them into third and four, third and three, third and two, where they feel that they can run the ball and pick that up. You need yep. to get them in third and seven, third and eight, third and nine, third and ten. Where they need to throw the ball, and you know Jimmy G, I would say, is underwhelming in the Dallas game. That game could have easily been a Dallas victory. Um, personally, I think Dallas was massively overrated, and a lot of San Francisco uh, confidence coming from that game is misplaced because I really don't think Dallas was a, a for real deal at all. Um, that's why I wanted to play the Cowboys. I I really believe that the Packers would just destroy the Cowboys. I think um, so, too. That being said, Jimmy G, he passed the ball 25 times. He was 16 for 25, only a 64 completion percentage. That's not awful. For 172 yards and an interception.
1: I mean, that's not good. <laughs> that's
0: that's <laughs> underwhelming, I would say. He can't even hit 200 yards. I mean, his completion percentage wasn't awful, but... The first time the Packers and the 49ers played, which I'm not going to make a ton of comparisons between the two games, but Jimmy G threw the ball 40 times.
1: They were down 17-0 at one point in that game, so yeah. they had to throw the ball a ton.
0: There's your, there's one of your blueprints to win. is get ahead early, stay ahead, keep the, keep the pedal to the metal, all gas, no brakes. Yep. Um, <clears throat> that also being said, if you get ahead early and you get Jimmy G throwing the ball, he can be forced into some turnovers. Um, he racked up a lot of yards against the Titans and the Rams, but he threw two interceptions in both of those games. So I really believe that the Packers can force Jimmy G into some turnovers. Um, but keeping an eye on Elijah Mitchell and Debo Samuel in the, in the rushing game are going to be important. Um, Debo Samuel got 10 carries against Dallas. In addition to the 27 that Elijah Mitchell got. So um I I want people to get past the narrative that the Packers have a bad run defense. The Packers' run defense was 10th in the NFL this year, if I'm correct. I'm pretty sure that was that was correct um that the Packers were 10th in yards allowed when I looked it up. I looked it up like 3 times because people kept bringing up 2019 and it was irritating me. Um <sighs> Dude, if I had a dollar for every time somebody brought up 2019 or the fact that Rodgers is 0 3 against the 49ers in the playoffs, I would be going to the game. Oh
1: my god, for real! <clears throat> well, first okay, I have to start him or should the Packers wait? Well, Tyler. Okay, so we've got a we've got a comment.
0: Twelfth 12th, 12th in rush in rushing yards allowed.
1: wild. So, so Tyler already answered that. He said the Packers should start with the ball. Me personally, I would let the 49ers start.
0: I'm okay with it either way. Um, for me, like I like when the Packers get the ball at halftime, but if they if the 49ers win the toss and go for the ball in, in the second half and the Packers start with the ball, totally okay with that. Go get seven, get ahead.
1: I I I want us to to let them start with the ball. Let's get the defense out there. You know that way because they they always tell you at Lambeau be loud for the defense, yep, right? Yep. We can get the crowd into it early. <clears throat> Hopefully, we Good can point. get a stop. We're we're hitting some people in the mouth. We're ready to go. We're pumping up the crowd. Aaron Rodgers goes on the field. We go up seven zero, and we get ball at half. That's dream scenario for me. That is dream scenario for me. If I could like <clears throat> predict the beginning of the game and I could make anything happen, that's what would happen. Seven zero. Say there's. Eight and a half minutes left in the in the first quarter. We run some clock. We score a touchdown. Jimmy G is going to be feeling some pressure. And he has a bad shoulder, right shoulder, and a bad thumb on the injury report. And that is reminded me a lot of Jared Goff last year. And oh, Jimmy G and Jared Goff are very similar quarterbacks. Yep. I put they them in the same they, Yep. They are run, you know, oriented offenses and they really, really thrive on um throwing short passes they don't they don't stretch the field very much
0: jimmy g is not a downfield thrower even though he has guys that could go get downfield um debo samuel and brandon ayuk are both like solid downfield receivers they Mm -hmm. just don't have a guy to throw the ball downfield to them um and then debo samuel is also useful in the running game but um steve said if you're going to the game you better be screaming um aaron Rodgers and aaron jones both talked about that um about having the crowd behind them. Rogers talked about last year, there weren't fans in the stands. I mean, there was, there was some, but it was like, like 20% capacity or something like that. So, Mm um, um, Aaron Jones talked about being tone setters. So having the Packers set the tone for the game, set the tone for the pace. Uh, so that's something that the defense could do too. your point about the crowd noise though, for, uh, for the defense is a good point. So, um, is there anything else you want to talk about the Packers defense versus the 49ers offense before I run through the injury report? Um,
1: something to to keep in mind is that the 49ers are 6-0 when Jimmy Graham or Jimmy Graham, Jesus.
0: Jimmy Graham. Jimmy, Wrong Jimmy, Jimmy G. <laughs>
1: Jimmy G. Uh Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't throw an interception. So when he plays a clean game, he can just stand back there, hand the ball off to, you know, whoever, one of their thousand running backs on that team. And now they're handing the ball off to wide receivers a shit ton for some reason. Uh, they're really good. I mean, obviously not very good when he throws an interception, but Tyler was right on, hit the nail right on the head. We have to force Jimmy to make plays. You force Jimmy to make plays, you're feeling pretty damn good. That's all I'm going to say.
0: Yeah, and that's, like I said, Jimmy's had games where he's racked up yards, but that that gets him in trouble sometimes. Um, So even, even, let's say, let's say San Francisco's marching the ball down if they start with the ball. It's mm-hmm. not the end of the world if, if San Francisco scores first. Yeah, it would suck. But but listening to you know the the way that Jimmy has played in these games, that if if he's continuing to go on and on and on and throw the ball a lot, the odds aren't are is are in his favor. Like as as he throws the ball more, the 49ers really seem to have less of a chance to win. Not gonna lie. I mean, that's just that's the correlation of it. I don't know if those correlate if those things are directly related. But they do kind of go together. Um, the more you know throw, is the less they win. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, didn't articulate it very well, but I, that's what I said.
1: <laughs> you know, you know what? What really is making me feel really good about this game is Jimmy mm-hmm. already struggles to throw the ball. Right, like last week they were in a dome. He threw one pick, and you're just like, "What? How?" Dude, he did in did the he... Rams
0: game too. It's like Jimmy right. just threw a pick. It's like, "What? Who was he even throwing to?" Right. I mean, that's and where Stanford I'm like,
1: did that too, but. I'm like, what the – so, anyways, I'm like, thank God that's not my quarterback. But now he's going to be in the cold, right? Now, what do you do when it's cold? You're going to have to grip it a little bit harder, a little bit different. You got a bad thumb? What's that going to do? How are you going to hold on to that thing? It's going to be uncomfortable, man. I mean, he could just ask Goff how it felt. But, man, I think – I really think our pass rush – and, you know, I've been seeing people say this, and a lot of 49er fans have been making a lot of excuses. But I think having zadarius back, like Tyler pointed out, and I said, you know, Kenny Clark, as my dad just said, you know, Rashawn, Gary, Preston Smith, I think our pass rush is going to be a problem. And, you know, I pray the down that they get into a third and eight in Jimmy G's and shotgun because he's about to be and when he stands up because we're going to – I think the Packers are going to end up with like five, six sacks.
0: You left a guy out too. Who did I leave out? Matt LaFleur anticipates Whitney Merciless to play in this game. I know, dude.
1: The Packers
0: Packers now have four really good edge rushers, which is good because they are going to be weathering the loss of Kingsley Kiki, who was let go for personal reasons. We don't know what those are. We don't know. The Packers will not say. LaFleur will not say. Joe Barry will not say. It does not pay to to guess what they are, whether it's an issue that gear or that Kiki had with players, whether it's an issue that he has with himself, whether it's an issue that he had with coaches, it does not matter because nobody will say, so it does not pay to speculate about it because we don't know. It could be, it could be anything from a death in the family to Kingsley Kiki, not getting along with Joe Barry and arguing with coaches and, It could be anything in between there. So it does not pay to speculate about it because we will not know because they will not say.
1: So, you know, on behalf of Wisco Fanatics, we just hope personally as a man, he's okay. I don't want anybody to have to deal with any personal issues, you know, family, stuff like that. I don't wish that upon anybody, upon my worst enemy. So, you know, like Tyler said, we're not going to comment on it. We just hope that everything's okay.
0: <clears throat> just, yeah, just leave, just leave the judgment out of it. It's, it doesn't pay to make the judgment because we don't know what the issue is. Yep. hundred percent. All right. So <clears throat> the other two things that I saw, the other two guys that I want to talk about are Zadarius Smith and Jair Alexander. Um, Joe Barry talked about them in his press conference today. He said they're stacking blocks towards playing there's no doubt about it uh, they've been putting them in different situations during the bye week to figure out what they can handle what they can do so if if I was a betting man I would say both of them are going to play and it already sounds like Marcellus is trending in the right direction to play um, mm-hmm. it's, it's really shaping up like this is going to be the healthiest Packers team that we've seen basically all, all season
1: yeah dude if they get Jair and Zedarius back, and Merciless, right, he's not going to be a starter. But the point I'm going to make, if those two are coming back, they better introduce the defense because that crowd will go ballistic. That place is going to be deafening. And this is the last, last point I wanted to make. The Rams game and the Cowboys game, those crowds were very red. Very red. It ain't going to be like that in Green Bay. No. This is a huh. true true road game
0: yeah the 49ers
1: are gonna have to deal with with noise they're gonna have to deal with people hitting their quarterback and jimmy's gonna have to make some throws and against our corners i feel very very good packers have
0: three corners that i feel comfortable with very comfortable
1: with and i'm okay with with king getting spots i'm okay with him in spots okay you have a you have a third long and you're like, okay, I want you to sit 20 yards off the damn line of scrimmage mm. and don't lay anything over your freaking head. Okay, cool. Use the sideline. He's great at that. Cool. Yep. Great. Awesome. But I don't – I really don't want to see Channon Sullivan on the field, to be completely honest. And that was my boy last year. But, God, he just hasn't been good. I, I
0: feel pretty similarly, honestly, I feel similarly about Channon Sullivan that I do about Kevin King, only in, yeah. like, certain situations. Because, like, Channon Sullivan has, like, actually shown that he's – pretty capable at intercepting passes honestly um for for the little bit of playing time he has that he's had i think he has at least two interceptions if not three um pretty sure he has at least two um so again like a like a third and 20 like if the 49ers commit a penalty on first down and they're in like a third and 18 or something like that like you know roll those guys out there um And that's going to be – that's probably going to be a zone defense anyways. So it's not like you really need to worry about guys getting beat one-on-one anyways because it's probably just going to be guys close to the line and then guys farther back. So my question to you, obviously the Packers are not going to play man-to-man the entire game even though they have the personnel for it with Jair being back and then Rasul Douglas and Eric Stokes. But who would you put on Debo Samuel? This is my question to you. Um, would you go with the experience of Rasul Douglas, the speed of Eric Stokes, or both with a guy like Jair Alexander?
1: Okay, so last game, Jair basically shut him out of the game. Uh, Debo made one really, really nice catch late in that game when they were driving, and he had to make a really nice like 2 a catch, and Jair was coming in between his hands, and Debo caught that ball. But he gets moved around more now than he did when we played them week three because I was so early and they were kind of, you know, messing with stuff. You don't want to show everything super early. But who would I put on him? I wouldn't put anybody on him. I would just let the defense know, like, hey, this guy's a key guy. Uh, the guy I would really take away is George Kittle. That's that's the guy I'm taking away. is just one of those guys. He just gets used in so many different situations, wide receiver screens, running back screens. He throws passes out of it. He goes in motion, runs jet sweep. He lines up in the backfield. He runs power runs. He runs sweeps. He runs all of it. So Debo's just going to do what Debo does. I would take away George Kittle. You don't let – and the Packers have been very good this year. Don't let, you know, Elijah Mitchell go crazy. And you just – you let Debo do what Debo does, and you force Jimmy to make some throws down the field. He's not going to do that. And the last thing that I'm going to say, if it gets the third down – He's going to throw the ball to Rashad, to, to Jennings, okay? I don't, know if anybody, Jennings. <laughs> I don't know if anybody watched the last two 49ers games. I swear to God, every third down, Jimmy G is just like, Jennings, Jennings. Literally, out routes. That's it. I was like, bro, if he tries that shit in Green Bay, <laughs> Rasul Douglas is taking that bitch back to the house. To the house. Yes. I, house would,
0: call. I would love to see a Rasul Douglas pick six in this game. Like, we, we're talking about crowd noise. Dude, can you oh, imagine a pick six? Like, dude, what if first what if first play of the game, Jimmy G tries to throw a pass, and D-boy gets pick six? Bro, if Rasul <laughs> Douglas gets a pick six, my house is going to sound like
1: 80,000 people.
0: I promise dude, you that. I might have to go away for the game on Saturday night <laughs> I so I don't make people up to my house.
1: Nah, man, I'm the king of this castle. So <laughs> if they have a damn problem me cheering on my team, they can
0: leave, all right? Hey, it won't be a school night, so we got that. Um, Yeah, true, true. (laughs) So (laughs) that was my last question about the defense. Um, Let's flip the script and let's talk about the Packers offense. This is going to be fun. I'm really looking forward to this part of the discussion. I know, man. The Packers offense versus the 49ers defense. You start. All right. So first thing I want to say is Nathaniel Hackett, Packers offensive coordinator, was doing a uh, press conference today talking about Alan Azard uh talking about Alan Lazard's premier blocking, starting to open things up in the passing game. Uh, people are starting to be nervous that he's going to block them and it's opening things up downfield. Now I was talking to this with Jake before the show and I'm like, you know, I, it, surprised, it surprised me that I didn't really put this together that the Packers run a lot of plays with Devontae and Lazard lined up next to each other. They'll run a quick out route to Devontae Adams, just like a two yard out route. Advante gets the ball and Lazard is one-on-one with the defender and they count on Lazard to make that block. And then Adams basically usually gets like nine or 10 yards every time that they run this play. If the Packers can set that up one, two, three times run that play, and then have one where Lazard looks like he's going to go block and then release. Jake made the perfect comparison. When we were talking about this before the show, that that's exactly what they did to the Rams in the playoffs last year. And Lazard ripped off a 58 yard touchdown.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So I would look to see the Packers replicate something like that by using Lazard, who is a good blocking wide receiver and, you know, getting it, getting the 49ers starting to feel comfortable. Like, oh, Lazard's blocking for this play because this is where Devontae is lined up. You know, they've run this play a couple times already. And and just try to catch the 49ers napping on it and try to beat them downfield for a long touchdown. Uh, probably going to spend a lot of time talking about the 49ers secondary in this part of the show. So I'm going to kick it to Jake and then look we'll on come back to me.
1: Yeah, so... The 49ers defense, the strength of that defense, much like the Buccaneers, actually, is the front seven, right? They have they have some impact players uh, that are kind of banged up, but they will play. <laughs> we should sign back Jordan Nelson for emotional support. No, I'm okay. Um, but Fred Warner, one of the best middle linebackers in the league, he's very good in coverage. Um, he sounds like he's going to play. He got banged up. And I thought he was grabbing for his knee, but he was grabbing for his ankle apparently, from what I read. But I really thought when he went down that he was – I was like, oh, man. And then Bosa, I don't know if anybody else watched that game, but Bosa got lit up pretty good, in my opinion. And we were trying to find more on it, but we couldn't find uh, their practice from today, if he practiced today. But yesterday he didn't practice. Um, So those are the two people that you really look forward to in that front seven. Eric Armstead is also very, very good, by the way. Deep tackle for them. So the way to beat them is – to pass the ball, right? And we have the best wide receiver in the league. Thank God for that. And he's also, what was the award called? The Stand Up Guy Award. Um, it was, <laughs> I think, it, I believe it's voted on by Wisconsin uh, media. And it's yep. it's given to the Packers player who is like the most respectful and the easiest to talk to. So Devontae won that today. So I wanted to say congratulations for that. is just an all around great guy. Uh, there was also a story going around about Devontae that he paid for uh, a couple's uh, breakfast. The other
0: day, I saw that. Yeah, they were like those are the only people that recognize them. Yeah,
1: and I'm like, man, Devontae, man, this guy's just breaking ankles, catching guy. touchdowns, buying people pancakes. Like this guy's <laughs> awesome, you know. So the way to beat them is to pass the ball. But something that I'm gonna really look forward to, you know, with a almost fully healthy offensive line, it looks like the Packers have to come out fast and they have to come out physical. Right, part of that is Alan Lazard. The other part of that. As the running back duo, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. So I tallied up their their rush attempts and their, their targets. Now, I thought this was awesome because you said that Aaron Jones was going to get 65 catches, and he got really close, actually, for missing <laughs> Dude, if time. He had,
0: oh, if he hadn't missed a game.
1: I know. He had 50. He got – 52, right? But he had 65 targets come his way. And I was like, oh, 65. Tyler called it. Well, just say that Tyler said 65 targets.
0: But sure, 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 sure. Totally,
1: when you tally everything up, their catches and their rush attempts, Aaron Jones touched the ball 223 times, 1,190 yards, and 10 touchdowns. It's pretty good, especially when you consider that he's in a duo, right? AJ Dillon, 221 touches. 1,116 yards, seven touchdowns. We have some beasts in the backfield. It doesn't matter who you have back there. They're going to produce. Passing the ball, running the ball. They can run through the tackles, run run outside. But I really thought that that was awesome, that they were only two touches away from each other. So both of them, you could put them in, and your offense doesn't that's, skip a beat.
0: That's balanced. It's, That's, it's balance. It's so much balance within this Packers offense, not just between the players but between the the run and the pass. Right. And <clears throat> part of the thing with Aaron Jones that surprised me a little bit that he didn't reach those 65 receptions is AJ Dillon really really impressed me in the passing game this year. Yes. He really really impressed me with, with how well he was as a pass catching back this year. I really thought it was going to be where, you know, Aaron Jones was going to be, you know, 10 carries and And five receptions a game and AJ Dillon was going to be just carries, but AJ Dillon gets work in the passing game. He, you know, it's not just it's not just A. J. Dillon's in the backfield, the Packers are running this play. The Packers, the Packers really have have brought AJ Dillon into that balance. And it's it just adds another dynamic to the rushing attack that you have to be careful with AJ Dillon coming out of the backfield to catch passes.
1: So I was actually going to ask you a question and it kind of has nothing to do with the game, but I was just kind of interested in what you're going to say. I've never seen Bosa wear sleeves. Okay.
0: Is he wearing sleeves in green Bay on Saturday nope. night? You don't think no, he I'm, will, this is actually Alan Lazard. will not either. He said he's team no sleeves when he did his press conference. So he's not wearing <laughs> sleeves either, but um, I'm a little more bullish on Bosa because it's a concussion issue. And it's a short week because the, the yeah. this game is on Saturday. Yeah, I'm really hesitant to say that I think Bosa is gonna play because it's like I said, it's a concussion issue. It's not an ankle sprain. It's not a, um, you know, it's not a, a stinger or you know a sore ankle or or a wrist injury that they can just wrap up and put the Nick Barnett club on. It's a concussion. The NFL is really, 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 really careful with that, with all the CTE stuff that's been going around the last few years and what they know about concussions and how it affects players. So with him being in the concussion protocol, that's not going to be a pain tolerance thing. It's not going to be a, you know, we can roll him out there on a snap count. It's going to be either he's in or he's out. And like I said, with that one shorter day, I'm not not ready to say that I think he's going to play. I'm really 50-50 on this right now, um, and obviously last year, or last year, yesterday, last week, um, he got hit, and then yesterday he didn't practice. So, yep. it's definitely going to be something to keep an eye on, but I'm not convinced that he's going to play. Um, obviously, the 49ers want him to because he's right. their best defensive player, but, well, maybe maybe Warner, but... Um, I think Paul's it too. So... All right, we were talking about the running backs. Was there anything else that you wanted to say about the Packers offense? Um, all
1: I know is uh, they don't have a single damn corner or a single damn safety that stands even a chance against Devontae one-on-one. So there So isn't
0: they, one in the NFL. I
1: was there just going to say, the Rams feel good about Ramsey, right? They do. They feel good. They're <laughs> like, okay, he's got us a couple times. But – Ramsey is considered the best corner in the NFL. The best corner in the NFL is number 23. He wears green and gold. Yeah. But the Rams feel good about Ramsey, and he completely cooks that guy one-on-one. Yeah. He's he's not getting touched by these 49ers guys, okay? So when we get to X Factors, I got some reasonings. You're here. You're here.
0: The the 49ers are really going to have to have at least two, if not three, guys guarding Devontae Adams. And this is one of the things that Jake wants is he doesn't want the Packers to abandon the run early. Yep, And I agree with that. It's happened in a couple games. I think it's only happened two or three times in the entire time we've been doing a show that we felt the Packers abandon the run early. But um, using Bakhtiari and Josh Myers, who are back, um, Billy Turner is practicing. So basically, outside of the fact that uh, Elton Jenkins tore his ACL, the Packers are going to have a healthy offensive line. Yep. Um, Lucas Patrick is back off the COVID list. So everybody that's available is practicing and will play. Um, That being said, um, I did, I did post the stats from Devante and Alan Lazard's first half against the Lions versus what the um, the 49ers gave up to Dallas. Oh man. I really think this is going to end up being a high scoring game for the Packers. I think so too. Um, (laughs) The other thing is, I I just spent a bunch of time talking about Bosa and if he's going to be back from the percussion protocols, but what I want to say is the Packers, if Bosa plays, the Packers can still handle that. Um, Mercedes Lewis is one of the best blocking tight ends in the NFL. He has been for a long time. Um, He hasn't been practicing the last two days, but he's on veteran rest. He talked about that, how the Jaguars kind of ran him into the ground and the Packers are giving him veteran rest. Even on his veteran rest days, he still runs two miles before practice. How, how do you not love Big Dog? Seriously, though, I I do. I want I want the Packers to get him a ring so badly because he deserves one so much. Like just I want Mercedes Lewis to get a ring. Oh, he does, I want him to get a ring so bad.
1: He doesn't cause problems. You never hear anything bad about the guy. Like he's just he's just like a man the perfect teammate, football.
0: and he's a good yep. football player. Like I I love everything about Mercedes. Yep, I agree, hundred percent. So my other thing with that is they can use Mercedes Lewis uh, in ways that they've used Robert Tunyon against Bosa on the edge. If Oof. the 49ers want any chance of getting to Rodgers with Bosa, it, they're going to have to line him up across the right side. Cause he's not getting through Bakhtiari, who is the best left tackle in the league. Um, he's I on Larry Fitzgerald as far as reputation. I would agree with that. I was uh, going to say would, that, I would, that. I would put actually. him in that tier of, of players that have that reputation. Okay. But they can use Mercedes Lewis to combat that. Aaron Jones has improved as a, ru- as a pass blocker as a running back. A.J. Dillon has improved as a pass blocker as a running back. Um, you can throw Deguara back there in a fullback position if you're really that concerned about it. Um, but the other thing is we have Aaron Rodgers right. right? who is one of the best ever at throwing off balance, throwing on the run, throwing while he's moving. If Bosa's lined up somewhere, Packers can just bootleg away from him and basically just make him a non factor.
1: Well, and you didn't even mention how fast Rodgers gets rid of the ball sometimes, too. So, and I mean, then... I was
0: talking about the out routes that they run with Lazard and Devontae. So, I mean, they oh, could just. True. Um, Lazard has shown some strong hands at times this year, too. So, I mean, you could throw, and he's done that with some pretty tight coverage on him. Um, right. Like, there was a couple points in the middle of the season, kind of around the time that he was injured, that he had some drops, but he's made some really, really tough catches this season, too, so um, I'm comfortable with, with Lazard even if, he's, um, even if he's being covered closely. I agree. I also think this would be a good game for play action, um, but to do that, you have to set up the run first. Obviously, I just talked about the Packers being balanced, the Packers' offensive line being healthy, so Playbook is wide open for the Packers this weekend.
1: Play action is always a good idea with Aaron Rodgers because (laughs) he fakes out the cameraman and it is badass.
0: dude. I love that. I love that. (laughs) Um, One of the things that I saw with Kingsley Kiki being released is that it could be to make a roster spot for Randall Cobb. Mm -hmm. Um, Randall Cobb is down in the injury report. So Randall Cobb is playing this week.
1: Dude. I don't think
0: the 49ers understand what's about to happen to them. (laughs) <laughs> ah we are going to destroy you. Oh I cannot wait. <laughs> so this this week started off as me wanting to beat the 49ers. I'm thinking you know the Packers are gonna win this game because they're balanced the the deep yeah. you know we gave Aaron Rodgers a defense. Um, they have guys that can make plays in the secondary the the front seven has been good. it's been good enough. you know it's not just if we can stop the run, it's we have some run stoppers. Uh, Jake's dad mentioned Kenny Clark. He was beating double and triple teams in the last couple weeks of the regular season. He's a man, man. Do he is a he doesn't get as much respect in the NFL as he should. No, he doesn't. Uh, And then you know one of the things that people fail to remember, the people that continuously bring up 2019, is that we have Devondre Campbell, the first team all-pro middle linebacker. He has made this defense much better as far as run stopping goes and a new defensive coordinator. This is not the Mike Patton defense that just lets you do whatever you want by playing soft coverage 100% of the time. He does it sometimes, but that's less of an issue. Um, <laughs> Isaac brought up Preston and Gary have been great against the run, too. Deshaun nope. Gary has improved as the season has gone on. Um, I don't know if I'm ready to say that they press uh, Rashawn Gary has been great against the run, but he's improved, and I would say he's solid against the run. He's a great pass rusher. He really is. Um, Preston is just all around improved, like basically every part of his game from last season. Last season, was kind of an off year, so it seems right. seems a little fluky to me with with Preston Smith.
1: Well, uh, Isaac, what I said is I said that Preston and Gary have been great at setting the edge against the run. They may not be coming back inside and, you know, help clean all that stuff up. But when we give up a lot of stuff inside, that's personally when I think that Chris Barnes is having a bad day. Because teams will actively try to run, run away from Campbell now, and they'll try to run at Barnes because he'll end up being the weak link in that linebacker group. You know, if Gary and Preston are setting that edge, Barnes and, Barnes has got to, got to attack. I mean, he, he played great in that Vikings game. Obviously, the entire defense – did i thought and then they played really really good really good the seahawks i mean this defense has shown the ability to play high level top five level you know defense and they don't have to do it for the whole game i mean personally you give rogers you, you give you give rogers a couple extra you know possessions you're feeling pretty damn good especially at home so Rogers gets the ball a couple more times. The defense gets them off the field. It gets loud in there, and I agree with the the comment above. I'm not going to read a word for word, but you got to be loud, okay? I don't care if you're drunk. I don't care if you're naked. Just be screaming, okay? The entire time, just scream the entire day.
0: If you're naked, you no you're probably screaming anyways.
1: Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> and they're just out of fear or excitement. I don't know which one, but whatever whatever you're doing, just scream, okay? <laughs>
0: Gotta be like right. so the only thing as far as injuries go for the Packers offense is um, MVS is not practicing today. He was limited yesterday, did not practice today. So MVS is gonna be the only guy to really to keep an eye on. Yep. Basically, everybody else is ready to go. Um, that being said, is there anything else that you want to say about the Packers offense before we talk about some X factors? No, nope. I'm ready, man. <clears throat> All right, you want to do four, you to do 49ers X-Factors first. So we're going to do one offensive and one defensive X-Factor. Um, I don't know if you want to do the 49ers offense or defense first, but let's do some X-Factors.
1: I'll start offense. But before I do that, I'm going to mention a couple things here. Um, the playoff record for the Packers and 49ers, I want to go over that real quick. Um it's 4-4, four four, right? The Packers won the first three. The 49ers have won the most recent three. In between there, they were trading off. So this is going to be the fourth ever game out of the nine that's going to be played. This will be the ninth time they met in the playoffs. That will be at Lambeau. The Packers are 2-1. and one. I don't know if that matters to you. I'm just kind of giving you guys stuff to go off of. So when you get in your internet battles, you can bring this up. Also, I wrote down uh the referee that's going to be refing the game because that can become a big thing. I hope we don't have to hear his name. Talk about penalties I already. already I, on the show, so. I hate when refs get involved, right? Um, but the referee for the game is going to be Ron Torbert. Okay, Ron Torbert, uh, his crew finished 14th out of 17th, so I believe that's lower on total. Pull how they do that Uh, on penalties called. Uh, He ref the Packers and Bears game, which I told Tyler I thought was a pretty clean game in my opinion. There was some calls here and there, but I didn't. I didn't think it went went both
0: ways, so I don't think it affected the outcome as much.
1: So. The last thing I'll say is the Packers are 10-7 and 7 with Torbert as the ref, and the 49ers are 3-5. and 5. So all these advantages come to the Green Bay. The Packers are 8-0 at home. I mean, there's a lot of stuff pointing the Packers way. So starting with X-Factors. Okay, got to turn my notebook here. I use a whole page for all those goals. <laughs> Offensive X-Factor for the 49ers. I could have said George Kittle. I could have said Debo Samuel. I-, I said Elijah Mitchell. Okay, Elijah Mitchell is going to be huge in this game. He had 207 carries, 963 yards. He averaged 4.7 yards of rush, and he had six rushing touchdowns. The last thing I'm going to say, last couple things here, the Packers have only allowed one rusher to go over 100 yards this year. That was Nick Chubb. That was on Christmas Day. It took to almost damn near the last game of the year for them to go up a 100-yard rusher. So they've been pretty good at that. Why I'm saying that is Elijah Mitchell has had five games this year where he went over 100 yards. The 49ers are 4-1 in those games. So you add in Elijah Mitchell running for 100 yards, you add in Garoppolo not turning the ball over and throwing interceptions, and the 49ers turn into a pretty damn good team because they like to run the ball and take the, hand, the ball out of Jimmy's hand so he can't make a mistake. When we played the 49ers, the, they had 21 rushes for 67 yards. That's only 3.2 average. So the Packers did a great job at getting rid of blocks and tackling in a, a gang, right? There was always multiple people there. I actually just watched the highlight video before we went live because I wanted to be like, okay, what did the Packers do well, right? And I know that this game has nothing to do with the week three game, but if the Packers can have that same mentality of getting rid of blockers and just completely causing havoc up front and only in the line of scrimmage, the Packers should have really no problem in this game. And they got to limit Elijah Mitchell. Now, nah. you could tell me your points on Elijah Mitchell.
0: Yeah, so I, I got to work on the fly a little bit, but it, it ties into what you're saying. I, Elijah Mitchell is my offensive X factor for the 49ers also. And Jake brought up a lot of good points with the 100-yard rushers. Um, Elijah Mitchell averages 4.7 yards per carry, just under five. So if you can keep Elijah Mitchell under 20 carries, I mentioned his last three games, 27, 21, and 21 carries, all wins for the 49ers. If you can keep him under 20 carries, and like I said before, the more Jimmy G passes, the less good that is for the 49ers because he's bound to make mistakes. He has done so. He has thrown multiple interceptions in games where he's racked up a lot of yards. It so is. if you keep the ball out of Elijah Mitchell's hands, it's that's what it's doing to San Francisco's offense is that it's taking them out of their comfort zone. Simon just said it in the comments. The Shanahan offense is very running back friendly. I mentioned it before. San Francisco is always—I would say basically—they're like the Travis Kelsey of running the football. They're all, like basically always expected number one. Um, Sanf- <laughs> they run the ball more than anybody. Um, I think Baltimore would have given them a run for their money if their running backs hadn't all looked the torn their ACLs. But yeah, uh, right. Jesus, just keep the ball out of out of his hands because that means that you are forcing the issue and that you are dictating the pace of the game. And how the game is being played. You're setting the tone, like Aaron Jones said, being tone setters. So, those are my thoughts with Elijah Mitchell. Who is your defensive X Factor for the 49ers?
1: So, I know we've brought his name up a bunch, and rightfully so, because he's a hell of a player, and we're not sure if he's gonna play. But mine is Nick Bosa. The guy's just instant impact. He could play on any team. I mean, his stats this year are ridiculous. He came back from ACL, right? 52 tackles, 12 of them are assists, 15 and a half sacks, and four forced fumbles. That's a guy that, you know, you mentioned him with the great pass rushers, and we're getting our best pass rusher back this week, so that'll be amazing. But he he can just instantly wreck a game and change a game and change momentum and and quiet a crowd. He's one of those guys. He's a superstar at the defensive end position. So the Packers are going to have to chip him. All day. Uh, we're going to have to get the ball out quick if we're throwing to that side. And Nick Bosa, is just, he's just one
0: of those guys. We have to watch out for him. So Jake and I apparently have both of the same X factors for the 49ers. <laughs> I know we <laughs> i know we have different ones for the Packers. But, yeah. Um, mine also is Bolsa. And like I said before, I'm not 100% sure that he's going to play right now. I'm like 50 50 just because it's a concussion issue. Uh, but if he doesn't play, what that means for the Packers is they don't have to zero in on one guy on the 49ers every single time they go up to snap the ball. Yep. Because if he plays, he's going to play 85-plus percent of the snaps. <coughs> and he you he needs to be accounted for every single play. Yep. If he's not playing, which I, I'm, I'm not saying that I don't want him to play because you want to beat a team when they're at their best. I mean, you don't want to have a thing where yep. the Packers – beat the 49ers by a field goal and people and people say, you know, if we had Bosa, it would have been different. It's, it's still a win, but it just, it cheapens cool. it a little bit. Well, I mean, it would have um, been different
1: because we would have called it different plays.
0: <laughs> right. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's a injuries are a cop out, but that being said, I don't want to, I don't want to wish that he doesn't play because he's hurt. Like, like I said, yeah. you want to beat a team when they're at their best. So um, he's definitely an X factor because like we said, we think he's their best defensive player. So. Let's talk about Packers, Packers X-Factors. Who's your offensive X-Factor?
1: So my offensive X-Factor, I was really flipping between a ton of people, and I was like, you know what? This guy, when he's good, we're good, and it's Alan Lazard. His blocking is superior. He helps free up all those little quick passes. He helps in the run game. And the last five weeks, he's been a hell of a wide receiver. Last five weeks, 21 catches, 290 yards, and five touchdowns. Touchdowns. The guy's been on fire. He's had three straight weeks where so he's had at least one touchdown. One, one, and then he had two against the the Lions. And I was telling Tyler before the show, man, if we would have played the whole game, who knows? That guy could have had four touchdowns. The guy could have had a career <laughs> yeah. day against the Lions. So, I mean, Ella is very, very important to this offense. He does a lot of the dirty work. He, he's the wide receiver version of Big Dog. He's just not old, but he does a <laughs> lot of the blocking, he does a lot of the digging. I mean, he just, he's a lunch field guy, and I'm really growing to love Alan Lazard, to be honest with you. So, if Alan Lazard is good, we know what we're going to get out of Devontae. We know what we're going to get out of Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, and Aaron Rodgers. I could have went really basic and picked one of them. I'm going to pick Alan Lazard. Oh, he's good. Okay, he's okay, great.
0: Basic, whatever. <laughs> uh, I'll reveal my basic, basic. Oh, dang. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> My pick is Aaron Jones, and it's we keep saying, we keep talking about balance. And I want to see Aaron Jones effective in the run game and in the passing game. They can use Aaron Jones any way they want to, basically except for lining him up as a tight end. You can line up Aaron Jones next to Rodgers. You can line him up behind Rodgers. You can split him out as a wide receiver they'll do that. They'll put Aaron Jones out as a wide receiver on some plays, just so Rodgers can tell if the defense is in man or zone. And expect Rodgers to take the play clock down to one second every single play. Literally, like, literally every single play, Rodgers is going to take the play clock down to one second, unless he's trying to catch 12 men on the field or get somebody to yep. jump off sides or something. Um, yep. This The 49ers' strength of this team is still their defense. Their running game is probably a close second, but Um, so Rodgers is going to be using all the time he can to try to figure out what the 49ers are doing defensively. Um, But just using Jones, all factors of the offense, the running game, the passing game, the play-action game, Aaron Jones is my X factor for the offense.
1: Well, here's another point for Aaron Jones. Here's something you could have said. You know, your X factor on defense for the 49ers was Nick Bosa, like me. How do you, you know, negate a good pass rusher? You throw screens at him, you run draws. I mean, he's a guy that could really take away Nick Bosa and mess with his head and be like, okay, I got to watch the screen this side. I got to watch the draw. They're running right at me. They're running away from me. You tire out, Bosa. You make him work because he's a guy that has a big motor, right? Well, that being said, my guy on defense also has a big motor. He's a fir- He's his first year ever on the Packers and his first year ever being a first-team All-Pro, Devondre Campbell. What can I say about the guy? The guy's just a monster. I almost went with Amos. I was going to go with Amos. But the reason I didn't is because I was like, dude, Tyler's going to pick Amos. I didn't want to have the same guy as you. But apparently we did. I just pulled him a card. So car as,
0: soon as, as soon as you were saying that I could have put Aaron Jones and Nick Bosa against each other as the 49ers defense and the Packers offensive X-Factors, I'm like, he yeah. stole my idea because I put Elijah Mitchell and Devontae Campbell as my X-Factors to go against with each other. Yep. All right. Say what you're going to say. Okay. So <laughs> with
1: Campbell, I mean – we know his stats, right? 146 tackles, two sacks, two interceptions. He has 44 assists to tackle. So that means he's running to the ball and he's helping out. Gang tackling is something that's going to be big in this game because Debo Samuel will break some tackles. George Kittle will break some tackles. And, you know, this, you know, like Simon said, this is a very I, – I believe any decent to good running back could survive and do really good in this offense. But Elijah Mitchell, he's been a pretty good player for them this year. And Campbell is really going to have a, a big responsibility on Sunday. He's got to take away that middle, you know, from Kittle. He's got to take away that the running with Debo, and he's got to take away the running with Elijah Mitchell. He's got a big job. Uh with that comes the D line doing their job and taking up blocks and, and forcing them to run outside. And there's just a lot of stuff that has to happen. But Devonta Campbell has easily been one of the best linebackers in the NFL this year. I loved getting into the to the debate with Bears fans earlier this year. And they're like, no, Campbell's not that good. Campbell's not that good. Smith is better. Nah. You look at the voters. They know Devondre Campbell's been an absolute monster this year. Joe Barry, the linebacker whisperer, as Tyler has coined him, yeah. has really made Devondre Campbell into a monster.
0: How many guys did we talk about when we talked about the Packers defense? Who were all the guys that we were excited about? Well, Campbell, Preston Smith, Sean Gary, right. Zadarius Smith back, Whitney right. Merciless. You mentioned Chris Barnes' name a couple times. Yeah. All linebackers. This is probably, I would say, the best linebacking core that I've seen as a Packers fan that the Packers have had.
1: Probably. I I haven't sat down and thought about it. But, yeah, it's definitely up there, just not even thinking about it.
0: I mean, Devondre Campbell on his own, like, already puts it pretty <laughs> high up there. Uh, he was pretty the good. first first first-team All-Pro since Ray Nitschke. So, uh,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> He joined. Um, Aaron Rodgers made a comment about it that he joined uh, Bakhtiari as the as a All Pro, not Pro Bowl player, proving that the Pro Bowl is just a popularity contest. And like you said, the voters know what's up with the players. So, yep. <clears throat> all right, you want to give me your score prediction and then the weather report? Um, I'm gonna go weather report first. So I'm gonna go Jake Burgundy right. first.
1: So I'm not even gonna worry about the daytime because this game. And we live in the state of Wisconsin. So we understand that the weather at 10 (laughs) o'clock in the morning.
0: The sun is setting at two and a half hours before kickoff.
1: (laughs) Right, bro. (laughs) So the weather at 10 a.m. doesn't give a shit about the weather at 7 p.m. Okay. So the weather report, it's going to be two degrees with a wind chill of negative five. Now, the snow that they're talking about is going to happen in the morning. That's why I'm saying the whole part about the weather in the morning doesn't say any snow from everything that I've looked at. I look. I actually looked at three different weather.
0: Oh, <laughs> apps. look at this guy!
1: Yeah, I went crazy on the weather this week. Get this
0: man a blazer. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but they didn't say any snow at night. Uh, they said all the snow should happen in the morning and the afternoon. So the snow will be gone before the game starts. But it's going to be cold as a move. So bundle up. Unless you're Nick Bosa, because apparently he's not wearing sleeves.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, so is Alan Lazard. Alan Lazard has team, no sleeves. That's what he said. <laughs> Let's go. Lazard's uh, swag,
1: dude, is crazy. Lazard's swag dude, is crazy. And, yeah,
0: he's, yeah, he's he's fun. He's a fun guy.
1: And he's coming up with all these sayings. Like, how do you not like Alan Lazard, dude? Come on. Uh, so, from
0: what I've heard, too, like, he's, like, always out signing autographs before the games and stuff, too. He so, just like, he's just a good guy.
1: Yeah, he just appreciates the platform he's on. He just doesn't take it for granted. With that being said, Alan Lazar, Devondre Campbell, everything we're talking about, uh, I'm going to sound crazy. But I expect the Packers to put a pretty good whooping up on on these 49ers. It's going to be 35-17. All
0: right, I have a little bit closer, still a double-digit win. I'm going to say 31-20.
1: 31-20. You know, if either prediction happens, I'm going to be a really, really happy guy. And Sunday going into work is going to be fucking awesome, baby. Because <laughs> one of the people that I work that I work with is a big 49ers fan. And he ain't going to oh. want to see me on Sunday morning.
0: Yeah, I told we'll him. I told be... him
1: this week. I said, bro, you better not call it sick. After we <laughs> whooped that ass, boy. You were talking all that shit. I ain't trying I, to hear I
0: saw it. a lot of salty 49ers fans yesterday. So, I decided to make a meme that said, Jimmy, uh, Joey B, Jimmy G, Timmy T, doesn't matter, Packers by 30. Perfect. And I had a 49ers fan comment at me, be like, I bet you the Packers don't win by 30. Like, well, it's a meme making fun of 49ers fans. But if he'll give me the implied odds, I'll take that bet. He's like, well, are they going to win by 30 or not? That's not what, <laughs> that's not what I asked, is it? <laughs> like, if you give me the implied odds, the Packers are favored by five and a half. you give me the, fi- the implied odds, I'll bet you five bucks. And then if the Packers win by 30, you owe me 30 bucks.
1: Hey, pull the trigger. Simon said 31-27. Simon, I do not want that to happen because
0: I do not want to have any stress on Saturday night. <sighs> I really don't feel that the 49ers have the capability to put 27 on the Packers defense. They scored 23 against Dallas in a dome who has a terrible secondary. Like, like Trayvon Diggs has the cool interception numbers. Mm-hmm. He's gotten torched, absolutely torched several times in the last three weeks.
1: That was the main reason I wanted to play the Cowboys. I want to watch him try to guard Devontae, bro. I really did. I was like come on man let it happen. Yeah, that
0: would have been rough. 197
1: um, to 7. Wow, Isaac, that's crazy. Look at
0: this connection. Um, you playing Madden with 12-minute quarters against my stepson. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah, that's where I'm at. I'm I'm thinking 31-20, Jake said 35-17. We'll see we'll see what the final score turns out, but um Is there anything else that you want to say, Packers 49ers?
1: Uh, You know, I wanted to make this public service announcement because everybody comes at the Packers, right? And rightfully so. We talk a lot of shit. We got Aaron Rodgers. Everybody talks about that. 49ers fans, you better not disappear like last time because it's playoff time now, and I'm coming for heads, okay? So you want to come at me, talk all this smoke, say you're missing this guy, say you're missing that guy? Well guess what? All the guys were getting back is way more than the guys that you were missing, okay? I, if Zodarius Smith has 3 sacks or Jair ends up having a pick six, oh man, I might go live after the game. I literally <laughs> might go live after the game if we whoop your ass. Just don't don't leave, okay? Don't leave. That's all I'm saying.
0: We'll find you.
1: I will find you.
0: We'll post the videos of 49ers that 49ers fans that uh have awkward responses to people saying their team sucks. (laughs) (laughs) I know that video exists. I've seen it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's move into basketball and we're going to talk about the bucks. And it's a a really weird, a really weird week, Uh, basically another week of losing some games that they should have been able to win and winning a game that was going to look like a tough game on the schedule. Yeah. it would be nice if they would have ended on the game, you know, a nice, uh, yeah, on a nice win. But um, started the week with the win and then two losses. So the main question here is: Are we worried about the Bucks starting with the Golden State game and then moving into Toronto and Atlanta? Are we worried about the Bucks?
1: No. I'm, uh, the emotion I'm feeling with the Bucks is annoyed. That's the emotion I'm feeling. I'm annoyed that they're not playing up to their level and they're yep. not closing out games. Yep. I mean, they were very good. They were undefeated, you know, this year. I don't remember the the number of games, but they were undefeated, you know, before they lost to the Hawks when they were leading after the third quarter. And now that's over with. So now I got to think like are they going to lose the game if they're w- winning after the third? Are they going to shoot bad? Are they going to allow the other team to make freaking 24 three-pointers? There's a lot of things that go into it. To be honest with you, the NBA this year is just crazy, right? It's it, crazy. it feels
0: weird. Like, there's a lot of guys missing, like, around yeah, the entire league. Uh, hey, like, COVID J- got really bad. Um, J- James, James said 34-13. <laughs> That's close to James mine, goes. bro.
1: I'm telling you, we're going to smack the shit out of them. I see it. But anyway, back to the Bucs. I, okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to feel. I don't know how to feel. I'm just annoyed. You know, you, you watch them against the Warriors, and they're up by freaking 39 and a half. We're up
0: by more points than we gave up. Yeah, we doubled them up at halftime.
1: And then you go to the Raptors game, and you're like, where the hell was that team? Where was that team that just played against the Warriors? It just, I don't know. None of it makes sense to me, I guess. How are you feeling?
0: It it feels weird. Like I said, it feels like a weird year. Like, so many guys have missed time. Like, Mm -hmm. it seems like everybody on the Lakers has missed time. Luka has missed time. Um, clay Thompson just came back. Like Kevin Durant is out for four to six weeks. Now, uh, Kyrie yep. Irving's played like four games this year. Ben Simmons hasn't played a single game this year. I mean, yeah. it's, it feels like a weird year. And that's, <laughs> I think honestly, all those things combined, it feels like are the reason that the bulls are in first place in the East. I don't actually think it's because of anything that the bulls are doing. I think it's because I, of things not happening for other teams.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, look at the heat, the heat are tied with the bulls. And Bam and Jimmy were missing time for them. I, I mean, think just Bam on is the, still out. I thought he can't. Oh, he might still be out, but he's scheduled to come back, I guess. But yeah, look at the Bucks. Middleton's missed time. Drew Holiday is still missing time. I mean, Giannis mm-hmm. has missed time. The number Four of players that missed game one. Right, and the, the number of players that have have missed time is just—it's getting ridiculous, kind of. But I just I don't. I know the Bucks are one of the top teams in the NBA, not just the yep. East. I, I still know. Yep. I still feel that. I still completely you know, have confidence in that. And there's some things that I say in here where my confidence level is probably about a two, maybe a three. But my confidence level for saying that the Bucks are still one of the four best teams in the NBA is easily a 10. I still feel 100%. that way. I still feel yep. that they're one of the four best teams. They just mm-hmm. got to figure it out. And I'm going to say it. It's going to hurt me. I even wrote this on my on my notes. Nick Nurse literally owns Giannis. Me and you were talking about it the other day. And I wrote, it hurts to say that, but the truth usually does. And Nick Nurse just just knows how to defend he, Giannis.
0: He invented the wall. Um, it happened in 2019. He invented the wall against Giannis, yep. and that's what allowed the, the Raptors to come back from down 0-2 to win in six um, is that wall. That's – I mean, that could end up being something that Nick Nurse – like that's a legacy thing that he stopped Giannis with the wall. Um, That being said, I agree with what you're saying. I 100% agree with the Bucs being one of the best teams in the NBA. Obviously, when guys are all healthy, that's when that's going to look like it's the case. I just don't want to go into the playoffs as a four seed or something like that. Or, I, five obviously the, or the Bucs, don't, they don't really care about their seed, but they probably still would like to be somewhere around the three seed or the two seed just to have some sort of home court advantage versus a lower-seeded team. But, um, yeah, I don't want to go in as, like, a five seed or something like that. Um, although it would be interesting to see teams, you know, see people sleeping on the Bucks as a five seed and then being like, oh, where did this Bucks team come from? And it's like we were missing players for, like, literally every single game. Like, we had our 25 right. play one game, and it was opening night. Um, I saw somewhere. This was probably two weeks ago already. I saw somewhere that an expected return date for Brook Lopez is March first. Oh wow, that's a lot sooner than I thought. So if he could get you know two and a half months of playing time in before the playoffs, like I would feel comfortable with that. Um, you also have the All Star break and the trade deadline coming up, so I would strongly expect the Bucks to be active in both of those. Yep. Now during the the Atlanta game. The Bucks, they started really well. They got progressively worse every quarter, and Reggie Miller questioned their focus. Do you agree with questioning their focus?
1: I do. I mean, just look at how they lost that game. I mean, I know you were saying it the other day about how the last five minutes, if you literally just take the last five minutes of that game and look at the four. offensive
0: execution, oh, four minutes. Sorry. You can go last four minutes. I have a I have this written down, so we'll go with four minutes. I yeah, I'm
1: two. gonna I'm gonna let you get in depth on it but what i wrote down was we were up by 12 at half right we ended up losing the second half by 7 or 17 or 16 points i mean the fact that you're not closing out a game on the road against a team that's lost 10 straight games at on their home court is Without simply two starters. yeah simply ridiculous i mean the bucks man. are
0: missing two starters as well but that's but you're point.
1: you're up 12 and chris middleton who owns that court, by the way. I want to say that out loud. <laughs> Chris Middleton owns the Atlanta Hawks court. Middleton had a great game, 34 7, and 4. And Giannis 27, 6 and 6. I mean, they both had good games. How do you lose that game? When you're you you, you say that, you say you're up 12 and a half.
0: Explain how they lose that game. So I have a couple things. One, I'm gonna say to give it a little bit of context with it. Middleton had yep. eight turnovers. Now that said, we've, we've known that he struggles as a ball handler sometimes. But with Drew Holiday out, Chris Middleton is playing point guard a lot. He like you, people got to understand that, that he's playing a position that he does not play. Like Giannis running the point guard, that actually happens once in a while. When Drew Holiday is healthy, Chris Middleton does not play point guard ever. He doesn't. It, it's, that's a fact of the matter. Chris Middleton yep. doesn't play point guard when Drew Holiday is healthy. Um, we had times where Wesley Matthews is bringing the ball up the court. I mean, George Hill is back now, so that's that's a starting point guard now, and we don't have a backup point guard. But, you know, that's, that's part of it. The other thing is, Jake, I mentioned the, the last four minutes. It seemed really unorganized. Like, it seems like maybe Budenholzer should have called an extra timeout, get the guys set, settled. Um, Dante DiVincenzo talked about it, that Drew Holiday is a guy that they turn to a lot in those situations. Um, Dante talked about Drew, his impact in games in the huddle. When, you know, um, when things get into a little bit of disarray, he comes in and calms everybody down and usually gets us a good shot. That's so, I mean, you know, when things are kind of unraveling a little bit, Drew Holiday is the guy that they usually turn to. So yeah, the Bucks are missing their starting point guards, but they're also missing one of their key guys in the huddle in Drew Holiday. Now that being said, the last four minutes of this game, Atlanta went on a seventeen to nine run, um, and it's just—I agree with the focus thing. It's an issue that I feel like the Bucks need a reset. So I feel like the Bucks, the Bucks just need to get to the All Star break. Yeah. Um, Jake and I a couple weeks ago, when the Bucks were missing like everybody, we made some goals for the All Star break. So maybe next week we'll check in on that. Um, but we'll check in on the, the the ideal records that we had for the Bucs to get to the all-star break so the bucks that's what i feel right now the bucks i mean they're going to be active in the trade market and they'll be active in buyouts but uh, the bucks need to get to the all-star break and then kind of get a reset on the season and refocus because they have games where they play like brooklyn and golden state i mean they the, i mean the bucks jumped out of a huge lead in this game they kept yeah. the lead in this game like it got down to like 18 at one point and um, Giannis and Chris came back in the fourth quarter just for Giannis to get his triple double. So, Giannis, okay. had 30, Giannis had 30, 12, and 11. Middleton mm-hmm. had 23, five rebounds, and seven assists in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the Bucs were really just doing basically everything right in that game. Um, but they need to take and maintain the defensive intensity and the mindset that they had in that game. Like, if you go, you can go and read stuff about. Wesley Matthews and the defense that he played on Steph Curry in that game, he literally face-guarded Steph Curry. He shut but, his ass up. It literally did not like matter what else the Warriors were doing. Like yeah. Wesley Matthews did not play any sort of help defense. He didn't play any sort of switching defense. He stayed with Steph Curry and just locked eyes with Steph Curry everywhere he went. Curry yeah. finished 4 for 11 with 12 points in that game.
1: Yeah, Curry's been playing really
0: bad the last couple of weeks. So you know, then you jump down to the Toronto game, and the Bucks it sucks. This sucks to say. The Bucks got beat at their own game by Toronto. Yep. And you know, they jumped out to a really, really big first quarter lead, and then they finished with their worst shooting per- their worst shooting performance of the season. They finished thirty three point eight percent on field goals. They lost this game by seven points.
1: They should have won this game, bro. I'm so pissed.
0: So the reason I say that is the Bucs were out rebounded by 10, out assisted by six, and Toronto had seven more offensive rebounds than the Bucks did. Yep. And Toronto points in the paint, 44. The Bucks, 24. Second chance points, Toronto 20. Milwaukee, six. That right the, there. The, the Bucs got beat at their own game by Toronto. Thankfully yep. they're done playing Toronto this year. And hopefully we don't see them in the playoffs. <laughs> um, the one thing I was encouraged to see from this game is the box is a team were 32 of 35 at the free throw line. One of my goals for the bucks before the all-star break was improved free throws. This game, 32 for 35, the Atlanta game, they were 20 for 24. So the yeah. Bucks are improving their free throw shooting. So that is one encouraging thing that I can say. Um, Middleton and Giannis both struggled in the Toronto game. That's part of the reason the Bucks shot poorly. They were nine for twenty-nine yeah. combined. And I saw yep. some people say, "Oh, but Giannis still had thirty points. He made seventeen free throws." Yeah, he didn't that's miss a, one. That's, right? a, that's a James Harden thirty points. I think he was seventeen for nineteen or seventeen for eighteen. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, but that's a that's a James Harden thirty points. He had seventeen free throws. Um, he was six for seventeen on field goals. So, um. The three games, the Bucs lost all three of their games against Toronto this year by a combined 17 points.
1: Jesus.
0: And Jesus. also with this game, Wesley Matthews was 2 for 10. Yep. So basically the worst shooting game the Bucks have had this entire season, getting beat at their own game, and they lost by 7.
1: Do you want to know, I wanted to give Toronto credit the two teams that the Bucks usually struggle against, right, is Miami and Toronto. The thing that both those teams do really, really well is they're physical. They, and they get in the Bucks, Bucks face, and they don't back down. They're like, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, I'm going to get in your face. I don't those, care if you're I
0: would say, I would say, are probably two of the best coach teams in the East.
1: Oh, easily, 100%. Like if either of those coaches was on Brooklyn, they would absolutely Ooh. win the title.
0: That's yeah, that's scary, honestly. <laughs> if Nick Nurse, that's, that's scary, Durant, yeah. bro, I was I was picturing Spolstro on the nets, like damn. Yeah, they would go crazy. Yeah, that's a little scary. <laughs> <laughs> um so couple things with January. Um the Bucks have lost every game that they've lost in January has been by single digits. Jeez, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the other thing with January, Giannis is the leading scorer in the NBA in the month of January. He's averaging thirty one point six. So, um, also, Chris Middleton, basically outside of the Toronto game, is back. Um, yeah, besides the Toronto game, he's had like what six or seven good games in a row. So. Yep. I'm I'm ready for people to stop questioning Quish Middleton again because he was dealing with a hyperextended knee and COVID.
1: Oh, the the thing with people is they just, they don't they don't they think that these people are just like robots and they're just supposed to like oh yeah you're sure. gonna come off the injury report and you're just gonna be like, all right instantly you know, healthy. Drew Holiday is listed as questionable for tonight. I didn't see if he was out or anything ruled out yet, but well, I'll look it
0: up and see what I. Got. We have
1: to play. Uh, we're playing Memphis tonight. That's a big time matchup, big time game. So I expect the Bucks to probably come out with a different mindset. Especially after losing to the Hawks the way they did, yep. so expecting yep. a good good game from the Bucks tonight. Giannis, the boys. If Drew Holiday comes back, I'm not going to expect him to come out and drop 25 points, eight rebounds, nine assists, and steal the ball twice from John Morant. You're going to come off the injury report and play John Morant. That guy's on fire right now.
0: Um, Budenholzer said Holiday is a game time decision. Game time decision. Okay, he's going to warm yeah. up, and they're going to see how he feels. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah, Tom Morant, he's going to climb into some MVP discussions if Memphis keeps winning.
1: Dude, they're throwing east or west right now. That's pretty crazy.
0: That team has some, some nice role players on it, too. But yeah, um, it's going to be interesting to see what, what the Bucs can do tonight. If Drew Holiday plays, I feel a lot better about it, um, strictly because of his defensive impact. Mm-hmm. But then Friday, we get our first matchup of the Bucks and the Bulls. I this know. is that's the game I want Drew Holiday to be healthy for. Cuz yep. like basically the best guy that the Bulls have. Ooh. Oh, look at Tim, he's going to be at the Bucks Bulls game. Lucky um, so it'll be. I think is that did you say that's your your sister's birthday that you're going to that game for? I thought I I thought I saw you say that a couple weeks ago.
1: Oh, Tim, yeah. I think he did say that. Yeah.
0: I think so, yeah. Um but the Bucks Bulls, that's the game I really want Drew Holiday healthy for. Yeah, so I was right. All right. So I want I want Drew Holiday healthy for that game. Derek Jones Jr. is really the only guy they have to throw at Giannis as far as defending Giannis. Yeah. If Chicago yeah. really wants to compete with the Bucs in a postseason, they need to acquire somebody to help defend Giannis. And right now, they don't have that. So I already mentioned Giannis being the leading scorer in January. Giannis... I'm going to say it now is going to go for 40 against the Bulls.
1: Whoa. Okay. Bro, they better not let that happen because I got some Bulls fans I've been waiting to chirp at.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I know. I've had this game circled for a while because Bulls fans are like, oh, we're we're contenders now. It's like, calm down. Your last year's 76ers.
1: Yeah. Settle down, puppy dog,
0: okay? Nikola Vucevic is not a defender, so. The fact that he's your starting center is not a concern to me. He can get a good buckets. offensive player. Yeah.
1: He can get buckets.
0: But if you can't stop anybody,
1: what's the point? You know what I'm saying? The Bucks bowls game is going to be good, man.
0: Oh, yeah. man. And then Saturday they play Sacramento, and then they're off again until Wednesday. So it's weird that they play a back-to-back, which is what happened against Toronto. That was the second game of a back-to-back. Yeah. And the Bucks came out flat shooting. So – don't be freaked out or surprised if the Bucks struggle shooting a little bit in the Sacramento on the second of a back-to-back. Um, Thank God, Sacramento's terrible. Yeah, I don't know if there's anything else you want to say about this, but I do have one more question for you. Nah, no, man, fire away. Are you concerned about Dante Divincenzo? Uh
1: no, but yeah, if that makes sense. I mean. He's still playing hard, but he's just – he does not have the scoring impact that I'm looking for. And, you know, for a couple games last week, I mean, Allen played pretty well. He scored the ball pretty well in a couple games. So, is Dante definitely a guy that we can get rid of? Yeah, he's definitely replaceable. We already have his replacement on our team, but I don't know. I just – I don't really feel the need for him anymore. If they can flip Dante into a center that can block shots and
0: rebound, I'm game. Yeah, we mentioned that guy last week. It's like a Mo Bamba or Nerlens Noel would be yep. that kind of guy. Yep. Um, I asked that because since he double dipped with his ankle injury, his last four games he is six for thirty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, five, he's... five for twenty three on threes.
1: That's terrible. Oh my god.
0: That's why imagine if,
1: imagine if Middleton did that, people would be on his ass. Oh my
0: <laughs> god. Yeah, that would be. It's, it's still crazy. Like, he's been here for nine years. He's the leading franchise three-point shooter. He's helped win the team a championship. He held down the fort while Giannis missed time with a hyperextended knee, and he's still a super divisive player in the fan base. I know. It's crazy. It baffles me. Like, I get it when he turns the ball over. It sucks, but he's not the only player in the NBA that turns the ball over. Mm-hmm. And he's not the only player that has the occasional bad shooting game. Like, yeah, he strung a couple of bad shooting games together when he was coming back from COVID and a hyperextended knee. But now all the people that question Middleton, quiet the last two weeks, except for the Toronto game. And they're like, see, this is the real Chris Middleton. You just had five good games in a row. Where have you been for the last week and a half?
1: They're waiting for him to mess up?
0: That's That's what it feels like. It's like you really – for a guy that has done so much that he's still like this divisive in the fan base is just baffling to me.
1: Yeah. I guess right. people, people to, hate to say man? about the
0: Bucks. I, I guess uh, that's what it is. I don't know. I don't know what No,
1: I just I hope the Bucks can string a couple of W's together, man. That would be nice. Yeah. Get some confidence. Today back.
0: and Friday would be would be some nice confidence builders because it's not yes. like we're beating the pistons and the magic here. Right. Um, Grizzlies and the Bulls would be would be two nice wins to get. I agree. All right. So, we talked about last Thursday being a a marquee day for both Wisconsin basketball teams. Both yep. Wisconsin basketball teams got wins last Thursday and now we have a we have a much more optimistic conversation to have. And my question to you to start this discussion is do we underestimate the Badgers?
1: Yes, 100%. Uh, the person that I think we really underestimated was freaking Johnny Davis. Man. Dude. Man. We expected Dude. him to be good, but he w- is going crazy. He's, he's nuts. He's going to win Player of the Year. That's he's really how like, I feel oh, right now. Jesus he's got to be the leader insane. right now, right?
0: From what I've seen, he's already like leading in Player of the Year discussions. People are throwing his name out. Um, the Badgers tweeted out a thing of like um, – like the, the the stats are out there and they showed like the, like some of the last five games that he's played, just insane numbers. Uh he's only had one game this year where he wasn't the Badgers leading scorer. I think the thing that's impressed me the most with Johnny Davis is his three point shooting. Like I was mm-hmm. expecting him to be like a thirty percent free throw three point shooter. He is like lighting it up from three. Except for I, this I'm Ohio really State impressed. Game. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of the only, that's the only game that he wasn't the leading scorer, I think. Yep. Uh, so, and there's more fun stuff to talk about with that. So, um let's start with the Ohio State game. Let's let's talk about that one.
1: Man, they uh first of all, Tyler Wall, dude. Yeah, I cannot stop giving this guy enough credit. Uh, he had 20 points, seven rebounds, and six assists. He shot eight of 10. He made two three pointers. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Have fun, Dad. Um, but, dude, his first two three-pointers of the year. He made another one against Northwestern last night for his third. Now he's three of 22 in the season. <laughs> so, I mean, that's awesome that he can start stretching the floor. We talked about if he had a little bit of a jumper, he'd be an automatic game changer. Him starting to make threes. And if, I thought if he, he, he played. If he
0: shoot, I would feel confident saying the Badgers have a big three.
1: But oh, I agree.
0: He's See? almost there, but.
1: He is laying down the building blocks for it, yes. I will say. But Wall outscored EJ Liddell. That is literally the yeah. entire reason that we won this game. That's how I feel. Also, that stealing he did at the
0: end was freaking awesome. I, I was so excited that I was able to post that on the page. That was awesome. That was freaking awesome. I saw Donnie Davis standing there, and I'm like, oh, you could just pass that. And then he threw it down. I'm like, turn the roll. Like, that was awesome.
1: I thought he was going to pass it. <laughs> I mean, you're but th- he's like, think no, think I'm just going to dunk it. Yeah, he's like, man, I did all the work. <laughs> and then actually on that play, EJ Liddell, you know, we're talking about him. He's an outstanding player. I'm not saying yep. – not throwing any yep. shade. But he actually slips on that play after the steal because he tried to turn around so fast. And uh, Wall ended up getting the end one. That was an awesome, awesome play. You know, something that's really, really been a big key in the Badgers, they're shooting better. Yeah. They, they're they shooting a much better field goal percentage yep. overall, much better three-point yep. percentage. Yeah. And with shooting better, guess what else goes up? Your assist number. Sharing hey. the ball, and people <laughs> are getting good shots, and they're making them. And I can't can't be any happier. I mean, their winning against Ohio State was their sixth straight win. Obviously, everybody knows that they won against Northwestern, so they have seven straight wins. This team is balling right now, man.
0: I was I was impressed and happy with how well the Badgers played defense in that Ohio State game. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, we know Tyler Wall is a good defender. It doesn't really get talked about quite as much. Um, but Tyler Wall is a very, very good defender. Um, he leads the team in blocks. Mm-hmm. Um, Chucky Hepburn got switched on to EJ Liddell at one point, early in the first half, and he forced him into a mid-range jump shot.
1: Yeah, He didn't let I...
0: Liddell back him down, forced him into a mid-range jump shot. That's that's Chucky, Chucky Hepburn was brought to this team to play defense and to facilitate an offense. Yep. Um, now he's making threes, which is cool, but that's bonus. Yeah. Um, just this Badgers team too; it's it feels a lot different than it has in years past because they're they're playing with more pace. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the first time since 1962 that the Badgers have had four consecutive uh, Big Ten games of 70 plus points.
1: That is a fucking stat, bro. <laughs> I like that stat.
0: Um and there's another stat we've talked about fundamentals and sound mm-hmm. defense. The Badgers have made more free throws than their opponents have attempted.
1: Wow. Wow. That's badass. <laughs> that's badass. So you talk
0: about doing um, you know, being aggressive on offense and then playing aggressive on defense without fouling. That's that right there is, is good stuff for the Badgers. But um, what I will say as far as defense is concerned, I don't feel the need to see Gilmore on the floor anymore. I really – I don't feel that he brings anything to the team, offensively or defensively. Nah, he's just
1: a guy that shoots a couple threes every game.
0: <laughs> That's basically it. I'd rather have Bowman shooting the threes, honestly. But looking at the first like half, uh, the Badgers were 7 for 13 on threes. Ohio State – 0 for eight.
1: Yeah, they shot 0 for really eight bad. on
0: threes in the first half.
1: They shot really bad, dude.
0: So I was I'm happy to see guys playing with purpose, guys making tough shots. Brad Davison is playing really well. I'm really pleased with how Brad Davison is playing this year. Yeah. Um, the Badgers at at one point, you know, they were they were weathering the storm. This game is another one of those games where it shows the is a game of runs, and the Badgers they combated that. Three and ones late in the second half. Yeah, like Jake already crazy. mentioned the Tyler Wall one. Brad Davison had an and one, and Stephen Crowell had an and one. Brad so Davison screams so in. loud.
1: Yeah, Davison screams so loud. He's, just, ah!
0: he's intense. They were, <laughs> it he was is. funny. They were actually talking about Brad Davison during the broadcast last night. That he doesn't he doesn't get calls sometimes because he's so like well known in the Big Ten that he's like, you know, you can't give Brad Davison too many calls. <laughs> Bro, he was doing this on the road last night. I was like, bro,
1: <laughs> you're doing too much right now.
0: <laughs> uh, so I can't, I can't say enough good things about the Badgers beating Ohio State. Uh, it was good to get the revenge win, and you know, was. really kind of put the train back on the tracks as far as beating tough teams, mm-hmm. um, beating ranked teams, stringing a couple wins together, and not just being like you know the badgers are going to sneak in as a 5 seed in the NCAA tournament. Now, we're talking about if the badgers beat Ohio or not Ohio State, Michigan State on Friday, this might be a top 5 team.
1: They're a 1-2 seed right now. How they're looking.
0: All right. Do you have anything else you want to say about the Ohio State game?
1: Uh no. That was a right. uh, really fun game to watch
0: though. Yeah, it was a good basketball game. We do the the Ohio State was going to come and give it a good shot yep. uh, in the second half. And the Badgers the Badgers did something that's impressive for a young team, and they weathered through it and got the win. So uh, let's talk about the Badgers and Northwestern.
1: Uh, Badgers-Northwestern. So you're going to look at Northwestern's record, and you'll be like, oh, man, Badgers got lucky. They only beat them by that many points. Northwestern is a good team. They have they some just, good players. They just beat Michigan State, who we're talking yep. about we play on Friday. And Michigan State's always good at basketball, right? So, Northwestern, they scored the ball well. Um, I learned something. Uh, I didn't know Larry Nance's brother was a senior on that Northwestern Not oh, That's team. who that
0: Nance is? All right. Yeah, that's
1: Larry Larry Nance Jr.'s brother. I was like, whoa, what huh. the heck? I saw Lance in 22, and I was like, hey, I know where one of those is. But <laughs> anyways, uh, Northwestern, this is still something that really bothers me, so I'm going to bring it up first. The The Badgers only had four points off the bench. It was all Chris Volt. He had the tip slam and then a really, really nice pass by Brad Davidson. I will not lie. He kind of surprised me how good his playmaking was on that play. I was like, whoa, what the hell? He usually just (laughs) shoots threes or or floats up a a layup. But Northwestern had 22 bench points. That's something that can get really dangerous if the Badgers don't clean that up a little bit. But I like that all of the starters for the Badgers were in double figures. They're all touching the ball and they're all shooting it. Johnny Davis led the way. He was a star. Davison with 13. Chucky Hepburn with 14. And he hit some really big shots. He hit Obviously,
0: some deep shots.
1: <laughs> he did. Obviously, we're all going to think about the half-court buzzer beater, right? And he shot that. He didn't heave that. He shot that. And the commentator said that too. And he did. He shot that zombie. Okay. He did the follow-through and everything. Yeah. He was trying to make that. And then he made the the NBA range three. That I was like, that was honestly
0: the more impressive one for me. It was because like, he stands deep three. He caught that it was contested he... late in the shot clock. I was like, whoa! That was that was an impressive three point shot.
1: Right. If he could do that, then man, we're gonna be a problem. If Hepburn is scoring fourteen points and he's playing defense, and we got everything else rolling for us, you know, Tyler Wall, Brad Davison, and Johnny Davis is doing player of the year stuff. Whoa, we could be doing something here. Um, I want to bring this stat up because I thought this was interesting. The Badgers, who have 15 wins in the year, right, they are 15-0 and 0 and they score 60-plus points. That's crazy, dude. Just 60. 15-0 and 0 and they score 60. So two games that they lost, they didn't score 60 points. They score 60, they win. Let's go. So right. against Michigan State, I'm going to be like, all right, first to 60 wins, baby. Just like in the NBA, they yeah. say first to 100. <laughs>
0: yeah. That'll be interesting to keep an eye on. Just That'll be a really, on,
1: really Friday's gonna be a big basketball day for the state, kind of like Thursday was last week, like you mentioned. But Friday Touché. we play Michigan State and then the, the Bucks play the Bulls. Be a big yep. day in the state. Yeah. And then we're we're all pre-gaming for the Packers game, so man, we have two big days in a row.
0: Yeah, it'll be a big weekend. Um yeah. Davis, Davis and Tyler Wall really forcing some shots early in this game, and I was kind of like, eh, I don't like this. Um, Johnny Davis just seemed like he was trying to force shots up just to get his shots. That being said, uh, they, they recovered, and it helped get the Badgers the lead early in this game. Um, Wall, Tyler Wall, he knows how to work a pump fake like nobody else. Yeah. Dude, he's so good with his pump fakes and his footwork. It just gets him layups. It just gets him wide open layups. Um, Tyler Wall started one for six. He made four of his next six. Johnny Davis started 0 for three, made eight of his next 12. So they both got off the slow starts, but they definitely finished strong. Um, Brad Davison, he started this game high intensity on defense, and he just did not let up like at all. No, his, his defense was very impressive, and it's something that even though he did shoot pretty well, he made um, back-to-back threes at one point, um, I questioned at times when he's not shooting well if he's still doing other things, and this year it seems like he's doing the other things first, like diving on loose balls, playing really, really tough defense, and then letting that feed into his offense. So it seems like he's generating some confidence from himself playing tough defense, going for loose balls. Uh, hyping up crowds getting his players going you know yelling you know hyping himself up and that seems to drive up his level of play so i really really like what i'm seeing from brad davison especially in a game against like a northwestern where it's you know they could have underestimated them based on their record they came out with a lot of intensity that's what i really really like to see from brad davison um you already mentioned chris vote doing some good things he had a really nice stretch there where he got a block and then the tip slam Nope. Uh, we mentioned Chucky Hepburn's super deep three-pointer. Did you see uh, one of the two back-to-back threes that Brad Davison hit? He did like a Carmelo jab step, and the dude like fell, and then he pulled the three and cashed it. hmm I know. I saw that and it was like Brad Davison. I'm like, oh, look at Brad Davison over here hitting jab step threes. Like, He's playing with a lot of confidence right now. I'd love to see it. Love to see it. Um, I already mentioned Johnny Davis exceeding my expectations as a three-point shooter. Um, Northwestern hit a couple late threes. that kind of made this game feel a little bit closer than it actually was. Um, yep. The Badgers missed some free throws that made this game seem a lot closer okay. than it was. Okay. Uh, Chucky Hepper and Johnny Davis and Tyler Wall all missed two free throws each late in this game. Um, Tyler Wall did hurt his ankle. He came back. So I don't expect that to be an issue because he came back into the game. Um mm-hmm. That's all I got to say. I mean, the Badgers, the Badgers are exceeding basically all of our expectations. That's why we started off with the question, did we underestimate the Badgers? Um, in every Big Ten game, the Badgers have made more field goals than their opponent. That's
1: how you win. Defense, baby. Defense, shoot your free throws. And then if they can get other contributors outside of the top two guys, because Brad Davidson and Johnny Davis are obviously phenomenal players. If we can get other contributors, you know Tyler Wall this night, Chucky Hepburn last night as well. Yep, that's how they're going to win I mean, the game. Vote, you yeah, mentioned what a, it
0: already. All stars in double figures. I mean, I'm still yeah. I'm holding out hope that Lauren Bowman can be a shooter off the bench. I just have really only seen it like this much. I just want to see a little bit more from, yeah. from Bowman. Um, Jacoby Neath isn't playing a ton. I mean, there's just not really anybody coming off the bench that's giving a ton of impact.
1: I wish we, like, I wish Neath or Bowman, we just had one guy, like, one guard that can come off the bench and just give us, you know, 10 points and a couple of assists and just run the show. Even give me,
0: like, or even, like, um, like this is, so here, I'm going to give you this. The Badgers, the Badgers need a Pat Connaughton. Yeah. A guy that can come in and give you nine points and four rebounds and, you know, finish three for five on threes one game and. You know, just dive on the floor and do dirty work and and just generally help out. That's what the Badgers need. The Badgers need a Pat Connaughton.
1: Yep. So, outside of that, you know, we're going to find over these next five games what's really going to happen. So, the next five games, there's some difficult games. But, overall, I feel pretty confident that they can continue this winning streak. Friday, like we mentioned, they play Michigan State. January 25th, they play at Nebraska. January 30th, they play Minnesota. February 2nd is a big one. Uh, they play at Illinois. That is a big game. Uh, we're going to need the big men to play really, really, really key minutes because Colburn is a, a monster. And then February 5th, they play Penn State. So the next Five, the Badgers. Uh, yeah, I'll say... If they go, I really want them to go 5-0, and obviously. But if they go 4-1 and in those games, I'm still feeling pretty damn good.
0: Yeah, and I mean, they mentioned it during the, the broadcast last night, The one loss isn't going to hurt the Badgers. I mean, mm-hmm. it's going to obviously move them back in the rankings. That's just how the rankings go. They come out weekly. Um, Michigan State was the number 10 ranked team in the country when Northwestern beat them. They're still a highly ranked team that's still a 14. good team. So if, if the yep. Badgers lose to Michigan State, it's not the end of the world. Um, we, we already are ex- exceeding expectations with the Badgers. Um, yeah. We'll have to get Mike back on here soon in a couple weeks and and discuss you know, what we saw when we did the primer and what we've been right about, what we've been surprised by. So uh, we'll have to get Mike back on the show. He's a, a really good guy to talk about the Badgers with. But um, Maybe after the Illinois game we could do it yeah. then. Yeah, and do some some evaluations there. Um, but I wanted to wear Badger stuff today, but I'm not. I'm wearing Packers stuff. That is the <laughs> thing I'm looking forward to most between this Wednesday and next Wednesday. Yep. I'm ready to see the Packers demolish the 49ers. Uh, it would be just bonus to see the Bucks and Badgers get a bunch of wins in between there, but um, this weekend, to Saturday is definitely about the Packers even though the Bucks will be playing, but they're playing the Kings, so um
1: yeah, I probably won't watch much of that Kings game, I'll be honest with you.
0: I'll be watching the Packers and 49ers. I'm gonna look I'm gonna look what time that Bucks Kings game is. It'd be nice I if it was like a three fifteen, but I kinda No, I
1: think it. I think it's a seven o'clock game. I think it's the same time.
0: Schedule Sacramento six PM. So I'll probably watch the first half of mm. the Bucks game. Okay.
1: Yeah, I could I could watch the first half of the Bucks game too. I mean, I'll flip between that. I'm I i want to watch I, I'm just a football guy. I love basketball too. Don't get me wrong, but it's going to be hard if that Titans and Bengals game is good, bro. It's going to be hard for me to take my eyes off it.
0: <laughs> it will. I right? mean, it's it's a situation where it's um like like the Brewers start up in in April. Mm-hmm. Like it's really exciting when opening day starts. But mm-hmm. like once you get into like May and the and the Bucks are playing playoff basketball, like, you're watching the Bucs, not the Brewers.
1: Exactly. Like, it's just, it's just how it
0: works. Playoffs, man. the playoffs hit different. So, I'm they excited do. for the for the Packers to get their playoffs going.
1: Ah, this is the year, people. <coughs> this is actually the year. So, starts on Saturday.
0: Gabe <clears throat> Aaron Rodgers, the defense, that's all we can do.
1: Yep, let's see what happens. All right. You got anything else? No, let's hope uh, Bucks get a win tonight. It'd be nice. <laughs>
0: that would be nice. All right, man. I will see you next Wednesday. All right. Peace out, buddy. Take care. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it.